Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. Thank you, Wanda. Let me pray for us before we sit down. Uh, so, Lord, we, uh, we claim those words that uh, you just sang, um, that uh, we have so much gratitude for what you've done for each of us and also for us as a church. So, Spirit, we pray, you come. You remove distractions in the room. You help us to be able to sense every good promise and every good thing you want us to hear this morning as your people. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I hand this to you. Thanks. Good morning, church. We are, uh, we are in a series uh, that is called Filled and Led. And if this is uh, your first Sunday with us or you're getting back in the rhythm of church, uh, this is a really good time to hop into the life of our church, uh, especially with what we have going on. This uh, series that is labeled Filled and Led is actually from uh, the very phrasing of what we're focusing on for the next three years in our church. We want to be people who are spirit-filled and spirit-led for those who do not know that they can actually be at home with God. And this series is unpacking this first kind of phrase of spirit-filled and spirit-led. And I just want to assure you that if there's any hesitation when you hear the word spirit-filled and spirit-led, uh, I would actually encourage you uh, to stop uh don't pass go, don't collect $200, and go back and listen to last week's message where I kind of address some of the red flags that if you're a person that you're like, I hear the word Holy Spirit and I'm looking for the exit, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Because in this series, we're slowly unpacking what we mean and what we don't mean and also what it could mean to be spirit-filled and spirit Led. And one of the things that I hope that I'm at least gaining some trust with you on is that you will never catch me delivering a sermon without grounding it in Scripture. Not like some weeks, not most weeks, every week. And in this series, the place that we're grounding this series is actually in the Scriptures where you see the rhythm of filled and let happen. In the book of Acts, the people of God are filled with the Spirit, and then they are led to do things like Jesus and for Jesus in really powerful ways. In other words, in the book of Acts, you see a bunch of Jesus followers that something spills out of them that has changed them, and they're living their life in a different way way. I, uh, I, I've shared several times before that uh, my father and I, um, I grew up in a household where uh, we just didn't share a ton of what was going on inside of us. And uh, we just weren't expressive people at all. That just wasn't something we did in my family. So, you know, people would walk up to us and they would be like, how are you doing? And, you know, my response would be, what do you mean by that? Like, 
it, it would just feel offensive to me almost because I just don't like to share about my life. I've had to do a lot of soul work to be able to be a person that's like, you got to share, you got to tell people things. And my father and I wouldn't share except for one day for one hour every single week. For some reason, we would share when you put us inside of a racquetball court together. And I don't know what it was. I guess it's when you put two men that are hot and sweaty and exhausted together that the emotions would just come out of us. And it would be, um, it would be awful. Uh, there, were, um, there were moments where we, would, uh, we, we broke a couple rackets out of frustration. Uh, there were hearts that were broken. We would scream while we were in the room. Uh, other people in the recreation center would go towards our court just to see what was happening inside that court. They'd be like, they hate each other. And it's like, no, we actually love each other. We're just actually working out our frustrations and our complexities. I wasn't just hitting the ball. I was working out why I had a curfew at a certain amount of time when I hit that ball. Because one thing is true that we experience just as humans and I experience in that racquetball court is that what is going on inside of you does spill out of you one way or another. And many times, if we don't like what's going on inside of us, usually one of our first instincts is to keep filling our lives with more things that maybe make us feel a little bit better with what's going on inside of us. Henry Nouwen, who is this legendary spiritual writer of probably the last century for us, he says it candidly, just raw emotion for what many of us feel in our day-to-day -day lives. He says it like this, we experience our days as filled with things to do, people to meet, projects to finish, emails to write, calls to make, appointments to keep. Our lives often seem like overpacked suitcases, busting at the seams. And although our lives are very full, we have this lingering feeling of never feel, feeling like we fill our obligations. The great paradox of our time, hear this. The great paradox of our time is that many of us are busy and bored at the same time. While running from one event to the next, we wonder in our innermost selves if anything's really happening. While we can hardly keep up with our many obligations, we're not sure what difference it's making. In short, while our lives are full, we still feel unfulfilled. The good news of God this morning, that some of your souls are aching to hear, is that there is fulfillment waiting for you. And it's not a fulfillment of adding more things to your life. But it's actually being filled with someone in your life. And you may ask the question, how do we know that? We actually know that because we literally see the disciples, the people who took Jesus's words very serious. We see something different happen for them. You know, we covered last week that Acts is like this two volume. In the first volume, Luke, the gospel writer, he tells about these disciples who they are a hot mess. 
They can't tie their shoelaces together. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with misunderstanding. They're filled with doubt. And then when you get to the book of Acts, you see the opposite. These guys are filled with bravery, with boldness, with confidence. Even when the temperature is turned up in the room for them, even when they're in situations they do not care to be in, they are filled and led. Not because of anything that they have done, but because they're filled and led by the Holy Spirit. What is available to the disciples to be filled and led by the Spirit is available to you in your life to be filled and led. Last week, when we covered the first half of Acts, uh, we actually talked about three fundamentals to kind of know when talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're finishing the latter half of Acts today. And I need to hand just three more fundamentals before we get too deep into this series. Because if you want to be a person who is filled and led by the Spirit, you need to also be aware of who the Holy Spirit is. And what the Holy Spirit does. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn to Acts 1. Uh, I've said in previous weeks before, um, it would be really great for you to bring a physical Bible. I highly recommend a journal Bible. Uh, this bad boy will change your life. You can write all the notes on all the sides all the time. Uh, and that is my recommendation to you. Because as I go through this series, there's just going to be things that I need to touch on scripturally that I would love for you to note, but we do not have time to go deep, deep into them. So that's what we're kind of doing this morning. And there's three things I want us to hold on to, especially as we think about the passage that Wanda just read this morning. Three key themes. Here's the uh, first one that I want us to lock on to. The first one is that the Spirit leads us to Jesus. That is the goal of the Holy Spirit. I cannot think of better imagery for ways that people may miss how this point is so crucial. In uh, Acts 1-9, when Jesus ascends, you have, the, you have the disciples literally doing what many of us are tempted to do. Uh, when he said this, Jesus, as they were watching, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Anytime you see cloud in the scriptures, you should be aware of God's presence, God's activity. While he was going, they were gazing up towards heaven. And suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, hey, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven the first time. I cannot think of a better image of how some people approach the life of Jesus, that the life of Jesus is just standing and gazing, almost as if you're just waiting for heaven. That there's this kind of discipleship that's tempting that we view believing and following in Jesus as simply standing and waiting for heaven. We say, I believe these things, and now we're waiting for Jesus to make the next move. It's as if we treat the story of Jesus as a story that has happened, 
instead of a story that's actually happening. You know, I've said this several times to our church, and I, I still think it's the most profound quote that I've got for you. Uh, Jesus is not Abraham Lincoln. Right? Like that, that feels pretty profound. Like when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is not some dead religious leader that we just quote and we keep memories about. Jesus is the risen Lord. And because Jesus is the risen Lord, that means that the ministry of Jesus is continuing in our lives. That Jesus is... There were plenty of dead religious leaders that are out there. But Jesus as the risen Lord means Jesus is still teaching and he's still guiding us. He's teaching and guiding us by his Holy Spirit. Even John, when he's reflecting in Jesus' last words, he says, but the advocate or the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And he'll remind you of everything that I have said. The Holy Spirit is the one who directs us to Jesus, who takes us deeper into Jesus. I guess one way to say it is, Jesus doesn't leave you hanging with an Ikea book and is like, here you go, figure it out, put this thing together. The Holy Spirit helps us and leads us to Jesus. You know, it's also really interesting that like, Jesus doesn't take him to heaven with him. What's up with that? That like Jesus, like, is he concerned about them going to heaven? Yeah, in one way, absolutely. But also, it seems like Jesus is more concerned about heaven going into them than getting them to heaven. As if there's something to experience here of the life to come in this present moment. That Jesus wants heaven to get into us. You know, I think a life of standing and gazing just about heaven and Jesus is kind of a life that says something to the equivalent of like, uh, you know, I, yeah, I believe his claims. I, I believe him. Uh, I definitely want to avoid whatever the whole hell thing is going on. So I, I definitely believe this. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe if I say yes to this, uh, God will help me out. And I've kind of got a plan with my life. And maybe he'll help me if I help him. And that's kind of a standing and gazing kind of view of God instead of a God who wants to give you a gift and help guide you into the life that is coming through the Holy Spirit. Maybe one more, one more way of just saying it is uh, have you ever, you ever had a gift card? You ever had the experience of a gift card? I got one a couple of weeks ago from Olive Garden. I know. Remember the tiramisu? I got one from Olive Garden. Uh, it was the best feeling in the world. You know why? Because gift cards, they keep on giving. When you first get a gift card, it's the best feeling because it's a blessing. There's an assurance of like, I'm going to be covered at some point. And then you get the second feeling when you actually hand that gift card and you claim it, that you actually receive the blessings behind that gift card. Sometimes I wonder if we treat the Holy Spirit as this gift that we have, but we do not claim the blessings that are behind it. The Holy Spirit will take you to Jesus and he'll make you serious about 
Jesus. Here's the second one. Hang with me, 830. You are asleep this morning. All right, here we go. Same point. The Spirit fills us to be Jesus. You know, it's very interesting at the end of Acts 1. It is important to recognize Jesus' final words. He doesn't rally the boys together, and he's like, look, you're a small group. They're going to need to be hanging tight with each other. He doesn't bring the boys together and he goes, you're going to need to read more of the Torah and be ready for this. He doesn't even look at the disciples and he's like, hey, you got to have you got to have like some resolve as you're about to do. No, no, no. Jesus says you need to wait. On the Holy Spirit. And receive a power. That is greater than yourself. He says, wait and depend on the one that is to come. In other words, he's saying, you're not going to be able to do this thing unless you have one that is with you who will help you. There is a story that's kind of happening underneath the story as Jesus is telling this. Um, Sometimes I like to say reading the Bible kind of feels like you're watching a Marvel movie. Um, If you've ever watched a Marvel movie, which I say, God bless you at that point, because there are 32 of these movies, and there are 25 shows that coordinate with these movies. It is the most complex storyline you've ever experienced. And then if you watch a Marvel movie with someone who has watched all the movies, it's intense because someone can just pick up a spoon and they're like, oh my goodness, they picked up a spoon. And you're like, what's the significance of them picking up a spoon? You know, like we, we've experienced this before where you step into a story and you're like, there seems to be a lot more happening in this story than what I'm even seeing. The people who read the stories of God and would hear the stories of the scriptures would have some of that same feeling. In the story of Acts 1, there's a story that's happening underneath the story because any of God's people who heard this story would immediately think of this random story. That would happen in 2 Kings 2. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. It's this story of Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah has come to the near the end of his ministry. And this is the conversation between these two prophets, between the older one and the younger one. So when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Elijah responded, Let me inherit a double portion of of your spirit. You've asked for a very difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. And as they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. And the rest of the chapter, rest of the story, is about how the, how this one prophet received just this double portion, this double assurance, this great power that fell upon him. And when literally Acts 1 is being told, for the people of God who know this story, they're instantly thinking about this story. And they're thinking about, wait, 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 wait. The last time a prophet was ascended into the air, Power fell down on one person. But in the book of Acts, the most beautiful promise is is that the Spirit of God doesn't fall on 
one person, but the Spirit of God falls on any person who says yes to Jesus. We need the Spirit of God to live the life that God wants for us. It's very difficult to do it without the Spirit. You know, it's kind of like the same conversation I have with my wife. Every time I try to move a large piece of furniture alone, usually I stub my toe, I bang up the wall, or I bruise my ego, and what? To move it six inches, or to move it a foot. When in reality, what I need is I need someone else to help me move the furniture. Many people try to live the Christian life doing it by their own power. When Jesus says, there's literally a gift that helps you live this life. You know, maturity in the faith is such a tricky thing because usually when we use the word maturity, we're referring to things like, you know, we're independent, that we've moved out, that we've moved on. And the faith is actually the flip. That the more that we mature in Jesus, the more we become utterly dependent on the Spirit in our lives. And when we don't, we may run ourselves into burnout or exhaustion or times where we're like, why do I even do this thing in the first place? Because we're not working out of something that we've actually received. We're just working out of our own power. Here's the third thing I want you to hear this morning. The third is filling and leading begins by praying and preparing. Jesus actually comes, and this is his emphasis, is to prepare, to, to pray and prepare for the work of the Spirit. You know, Jesus literally says it in Acts 1.8. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. In your Bible, if you want to mark it, what Jesus is doing is he's literally saying, hey, they're in like concentric circles. Like this thing that you're experiencing is going to keep happening in layers further and further out regionally. Some people have actually referred to uh, this part of Acts as the table of contents for Acts. This is the whole story that's going to happen just in this one verse. But the very first thing that the disciples do is they don't go all the way out to Judea or Samaria. The first place they go back to is Jerusalem. In other words, the work of the Spirit starts at home. If the people of God are going to fill the world with God's good news, the people of God must be filled first themselves. You know, one of the ways we've started saying this around our church is if we want to be people who are the hands and feet of Jesus, we must first sit at the feet of Jesus because that's what enables us to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus in new ways, and in ways that may seem hard to us or difficult to us. And that's a hard work for some of us who are doers that were just like, look, give me the task list. Let me go out and do things. I don't want to sit. I don't want to do silence. Let me get out there 
and do it. And you find that there is an order in the beginning of Acts. Sitting, waiting, praying, preparing. Because then you're ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now I want you to notice, and maybe mark in your Bible, the way that they actually prepare for the Holy Spirit to come. There's kind of three elements. The first is, is that they actually return to the upper room that they were in. The second is all of them, all of them get together and are present and they devote a significant portion of time to waiting on the Spirit. And then finally, they pray. If you're looking for kind of what are the elements of preparing for the work of the Holy Spirit, you've got they are returning together, they are devoting time with each other, and they are praying together for the work of the Spirit. You know, Karl Barth, who is one of the most influential people in how a lot of us think about the Christian movement, said that based off of this verse, the giving of the Spirit does not come through running. It comes through kneeling. That we have to pray and prepare for the work of the Spirit. And you, your next question may be like, why we got, why we got to pray for that? Why we got to prepare for it? Like, why do we have to do those things? Because we have to learn the movements in the way of God. It's not intuitive for us. We have to be intentional with it. Literally, there's mere moments in the rest of Acts where when God's people get together and they devote time and they pray and they worship, they hear, they receive direction. One example, and I'll come back to this text later in the series, but while they were worshiping the Lord, who was it? The disciples. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and they prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Throughout the rest of the New Testament letters, when Paul is working it out with people, what it means to follow Jesus, he literally writes things like this. I pray for your hearts to be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that was given to those who he's called. Also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Colossians, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives to you. The work of the Spirit is not intuitive for us. It takes intentionality. For us. We have to devote time. We have to pray. We have to come together. And actually, we start to catch what God is doing when all of us get together. It's intentional. And ever when we started this vision, as far as talking about it in April, one of the things that we said is we were going to be intentional when it came to life with the Spirit. And we've reached kind of a point now where there is an invitation for us to actually come together and be people who are intentional with the life of the Spirit. So you may recognize this slide. This is the slide that we talked about when we rolled out the vision. We said that there was kind of six initiatives, six kind of lanes we would be working in. And uh, for those of you who are curious to know, uh, on September 6th at 6.30, 
we're actually, that's a Wednesday night, we're actually gonna meet up at the building and we're just gonna kind of give an update of where we are and some of these things kicking off. But what I wanna highlight to you today, you can come to this and be able to hear all these, but what I wanna highlight today is just one link of this vision. And it's specifically this one. When we went through the vision, one of the things that the vision team did, one of the things the leaders and the spouses and the ministers here all did is they did what was called a Holy Spirit listening session. And you may hear that language in your life. That's very peculiar. And can you point to me where that is in scripture? That is our own language. But it's language that literally describes our version of joining the upper room. Our version of praying and devoting space to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we want to do and provide the opportunity to is anyone in the life of this church to actually go through this same process, to actually participate in a Holy Spirit listening session, which your next question that I would ask as well is, so what's this thing entail? Like, what does this look like? And there's kind of a couple of elements with it. A Holy Spirit listening session is an extended amount of time where you are gathering with a group of people you trust to listen to God. And what's different about this is not like a like, hey, we're gathering at like, you know, seven o'clock to do like a fellowship. No, no, no. This is something that takes preparation for. So when your group decides to come together and do a Holy Spirit listening session, we give you 30 days of intentional prompts to spend five or 10 minutes on every single day leading up to this extended amount of time in a Holy Spirit listening session. And what happens in the session is it's just a rhythm all combined for extended amount of time to be able to practice listening to God. And our invitation of this, the, we think like the simplest way to do this, but also with people that you trust, is to do it with your small group. That over the next year, we wanna invite every small group to go through this process together. And for someone who may be in the room this morning that you're like, this sounds intriguing to me, um, but I'm not a part of a small group. That does not exclude you whatsoever from this rhythm. Actually, if you want to email Matt Delano, if you haven't met Matt Delano, mm, like Jewel of Round Rock Church of Christ, um, but you can email Matt and be like, hey, I would like to hop into a Holy Spirit listening session. I'm not a part of a small group and Matt will help you get there. But this is an opportunity for all of us together as a church to train ourselves in listening for the movement of the Spirit. I know sometimes when I deliver sermons, some of you walk out and you're like, I don't know what the point he was trying to make was today. Sometimes I walk out thinking the same thing. The point's very clear today. The response to the sermon is when your small group leader comes to you and says, we have an opportunity to do a Holy Spirit listening session. This is the response. Say yes. We don't need some people. We need everybody to walk through this. And I can't like, look at my eyes. Like I, I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you other than some people have done this session and they've walked out and they're like, that was really refreshing. That was great. Other people have walked out and they're like, some things about my life with God need to change. 
There have been other people who have walked out of these sessions and have encountered God in very unique ways that they have not encountered before. We want that for everyone in this church. So a final word, because I'm very realistic. I want to speak to those of you in the room who you just heard what I said, and you just said, that sounds great, sounds good for other people. I don't care to do that, and I'm not going to do that. I want to speak to those people just in the room for one second. You know, when I, uh, when I got married, there were a couple things that Zane Witcher just avoided, like the plague, okay? There were just some things I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, okay? I try to stay away, okay, from Steelers fans. I, tr- I try to stay away from people who don't clear off the countdown in the microwave. I stay away from loud motorcycles that are just loud for the sake of things. And also, Zane Witcher stays far away from anyone who wants to put a needle in him. And when I got married, because of my spouse's health background, she said, hey, every year, I want us to go to the doctor and do a checkup. I'm like, checkup? Okay, I can do a check. I can do a checkup. I want us to draw blood every year. You want me to draw blood every year? She's like, yes, because it's important to me that I know where you are vital-wise. You know what I did? I resentfully go to the doctor every single year and get blood drawn. Not because I care about it, but because I care about her. And to care about her means I have to care about what she cares about. My ask to you, if you hear of a Holy Spirit listening session, and you say, I don't care to do that. What I'm asking you is to do it because you care about the people who care about you in your life. Do it for them. You know, I, if I can speak just super directly, like I'm asking some of you, like do not take this experience away from your spouse. If your spouse wants to do this, do this for them. If you're committed to a small group, please, 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 please do not let your posture be like, no, I'm not doing that. Please, if you care about those people, please do this with them and for them. There's nothing wrong with a vital check. You can come in of it and come out of it. All it does is it just gives you a vital check. Where are you in your life with God? I guess I also just sense for a couple of us that we're just like, if we're just really frank, uh, I'm, I, I just feel a little bit uncomfortable. I like coming on Sunday mornings. That's kind of my rhythm. That's what I do. Don't ask me to do something that's outside of that. And I guess I just want to remind us what my mentor told me a long time ago. He was just like, Zane, you're not going to get to know the comforter unless you're willing to get a little uncomfortable. We'll walk you through it. We'll give you 30 days. We'll let you know everything that's happening in the room. But my ask to you is please, please consider. Consider because we want to be spirit-filled and spirit-led people.
So Lord, I pray for us as a group. Lord, we, we want to receive every good blessing that you have for us. In spirit, we recognize you're the one who is working all around us and in us, and we just want to claim those things that you're doing. So Lord, we pray, can you help us to be brave together? God, I pray for those who may feel like they are on the fence. I pray that you give them courage or love for the people who love them to give this a shot. Because we want to be attentive to you. Spirit, may you bless us as we wait and pray to be a spirit-filled and spirit-led church. In your name we pray. Good morning.